You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. UCM hosts Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WBUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show. Presented by Diet Pepsi on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. And uh, welcome into the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, October 4, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. i got my main man, Justin Jones, right there on the other side of the glass. Manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. And he's uh, having a little breakfast this morning there, getting uh, getting a biscuit down. Of course, Noah Haynes has been hanging out uh, with us as always and always a big help and of course, Wyatt in now doing some producing for Wimp and Barry. So we got a good team here at Tide 100.9 FM, and we are ready to go this morning with another good show here on your favorite sports talk station. I'll tell you all about it in just a moment. First, though, I need to tell you, as always, this first hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Remember, owning a not-for-profit is just a better way of banking. Hey, roll tide and show your pride. Apply now for the official Card of the UA Alumni Association, the Alabama Credit Union credit card from the Alabama Alumni Association. There's no better way to show that you're a Bama Crimson Tide supporter than with the official card of the UA Alumni Association available at Alabama Credit Union. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right. Uh, good show on tap. Busy show today at 930. Uh, Matt Coulter from Big Noon Sports and the Matt and Lars podcast, voice of the Talladega Super Speedway, joins me for our NASCAR segment as we recap the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega and look ahead to the next race on the NASCAR circuit as we get closer to crowning a NASCAR series champion for 2023. Then at 10 o'clock, Paul Patterson from Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law will be in studio. Paul, of course, joins me from time to time. They're the, uh, Patterson Comer is the sponsor of the second hour and he comes in from time to time with, uh, a segment. Today's topic, war stories of a trial lawyer. Paul will share with us some of his old, his all time courtroom victories. It's interesting to say the least. Stay tuned. Till 10 o'clock this morning for Paul Patterson. And then at 10.30, the Bama football recruiting report. Joseph Hastings, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network, is uh, going to be with us. Uh, Andrew Bones out for a little bit, but uh, we've got uh, Joseph Hastings in with us again this morning for the recruiting segment. Your phone calls, as I said, are welcome beginning right now, really. If you want to give us a ring, 205-342-9904 on the First and Main Condominiums hotline. First and Main Condominiums, luxury condominiums in beautiful historic downtown Northport. And if you've been down there uh, where I live, uh, Main Avenue and First Street, you know they've been doing construction for about uh, 
three months now, but they're about to wrap it up. And it's going to be absolutely beautiful right there in front of First of Main Condos. Brand new street, brand new sidewalks, brand new uh, shrubs and greenery to tie right back into Main Avenue all around the Riverwalk there. So it is going to be absolutely gorgeous and a great time to uh, consider moving into First and Main Condominiums. Let them show you. Uh, all they have to offer. And um, as I said, I should know, I guess I'm kind of like a resident spokesman, right? Since I live there and I love to talk about it. You can find out more at firstandmaincondos.com. That's firstandmaincondos.com or give them a call at 205-657-7465. All right, um, let's jump into the show and uh, Bama football. I went ahead last night and Justin and made it official. On Tider Insider TV, I have to make my score prediction every week. Rodney Orr picked it 24 to 20, Alabama. I picked it 23 to 20, Texas A&M. And as you can imagine, the pushback has already started a little bit. There's good news, though, with me picking A&M. And I'll tell you what it is. The good news is that the last time I picked against Alabama was in the 2021 SEC Championship game. I picked the Georgia Bulldogs. And Alabama went over there and thumped Georgia. Now, I know Georgia got payback in the national title game. But in that SEC championship game that I had picked against the Crimson Tide, they wore Georgia out in that second half. And uh, so, again, it's just a prediction. But I know that people were seem to be caught off guard when I do pick against Alabama. And I think Alabama can win the game. Having said that, this is more about A&M and where A&M is positioned. And if you're an A&M supporter, you're saying to yourself, if not now, when? If not now, when? You got Alabama at home. You're unbeaten in the league. If you win this game, you'll be three and zero. Everybody else will have a loss. So basically, uh, you'll have a huge advantage and have an opportunity to make it to Atlanta. So I do think A and M's positioned to to get it done. But at the same time, uh, this Alabama team's playing a lot better. I think Alabama has found its identity. But after picking A&M to win in the preseason, I said I always, you know, you pick preseason picks, you have to see how the season goes. But I haven't seen enough that I feel like I can flip my pick. So I'm going to stay with A&M. Uh, certainly I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and I very well could be. But right now I feel like that A&M, this is as much about Alabama as it is about A&M. I think Alabama's playing well. I think Alabama's a good team. I think Alabama lost a early game to Texas when it was still kind of trying to find its way. But I do think that A&M right now at home on Saturday afternoon, a little after 2.30, is going to win that football game against the Crimson Tide. So did it last night. It's out of the bag. Uh, got some, some feedback from people already. And... Uh, and, you know, people saying some things. And I said, hey, man, I hope I'm wrong, too. And I hope I I hope I miss this pick. And I would not be surprised one bit if Alabama went in there and won. But I have to make a prediction every Tuesday night, and I picked Texas A&M. Let's jump out on the first of main condominiums hotline. And uh, Joe down in Dothan is going to lead us off there in southeast Alabama. Good morning, Joe. Morning, Gary. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Gary, I, uh, you're not doing any favors here. Uh, you know, I, I was calling for you to talk me off the ledge about this game and, and, and you're not helping my cause here. Now, what's going on? Well, as I said, Joe, I, the first thing that I do is I pick all, I pick Alabama's schedule in the preseason. 
Now, things change, obviously, when you pick 11 or 12, 12 games before they've played one. And I always say I reserve the right to change my mind as we go through the season. Well, the loss that I picked for Alabama was not Texas. It was Texas A&M. I picked Alabama to go 11-1, right. and one, and I picked the one loss to be at Texas A&M. Well, as we get here five games into the season, uh, for me to change my pick, I have to have solid evidence that I think Alabama is going to win the game. I don't have that. I I certainly think Alabama could win the game, and I think it's going to be a close game, a down-to-the-wire game, but based on where these two teams are at right now when they play on Saturday, I do think Texas A&M will win the game. And um, But there's no need for you to get out on the on on the ledge, go back in through the window and get in the house because Alabama's got an excellent chance to win this game, Joe. It's going to be two teams that I think are pretty evenly matched. I think it's going to be a fourth quarter game, and I do think if the game were in Tuscaloosa, I would give Alabama the edge, but it's at Kyle right. Field, and that is an incredible home field advantage, and I think in a close game, down to the wire, I always give the edge to the to the home team. Now that doesn't always play out. We've seen road teams win those kind of games, but last year Alabama lost two of those type games and they were both on the road. So that's kind of my thinking. I don't, um, I don't think there's a lot of difference between these teams. I think Alabama is good enough to go out there and win, but you have to pick one or the other and I'm picking, I'm picking A&M. Well, I, I can't fault you, Gary. I, you know, I, I, I hope I hope you're wrong too, just for the sake of being a Tide fan. And and listen, I, honestly, I mean, I, you know, before the season even started, Gary, you know, there was the two toughest road games to me, regardless of, of how good they were or not, were going to be this one and at Auburn, just because historically, I agree. Um, and Gary, I got to tell you, what's got that's what's got me so nervous is I saw where in their last two games against Auburn and Arkansas, the A and M defenses had 15 tackles for loss in each of those games. And you combine that with our offensive line struggles and that crowd noise. And here's another thing I saw that kind of perked my attention. A&M is the only team in the SEC that has scored on each of their first two possessions in every game this season. I did not know that. Uh, I I saw that yesterday. I was like, is that right? I mean, I know they don't have their starting quarterback, but Gary, i got to be honest with you. I mean, what little I've seen of them, I I don't see much of a drop-off. I mean, I'm not a, a football coach, but to me, it seems like they're humming along on offense like they never missed a beat. So I'm extremely nervous, but I feel like if we don't turn the ball over, if we don't give it away, then we're going to have a chance. If we if we go in there and turn the ball over two or three times, I mean, I, I think I think we're going to take that L. That's just my Yeah, opinion. you got to take care of the ball. Like You're right. you got to take care of the ball. you got to play good defense. got to be able to run. Uh, open up some some throwing lanes for Jalen Milrow, who has shown that he can throw the football down the field and uh, hit some plays on him. And you know, there's a formula. There's definitely a, a, a recipe for winning that game. And let's 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 be clear. A um, and M has beat two mid level SEC teams. Uh, are right. probably going to wind up being lower level in terms of record in Auburn and Arkansas. It's not like they've beaten Georgia. It's not like they've beaten Alabama yet. Not like they've beaten LSU. So I don't want to give them too much credit. And and listen, they got worn out. That defense got worn out at Miami, and that was a this game that a lot of people thought Texas A&M would win. So that's, I'm not trying to make them more than they are. And right. I certainly think Alabama can win this game. But right now, what I see on Saturday is I see A and M pulling it out. But I'm not. I'm not dead set on on A and M, but I do think 
if they win Saturday, they're in probably the best position they've been in, and, and you know, to make it to Atlanta. And it's a huge game for Jimbo Fisher. Listen, it's a big game for Nick Saban in Alabama too. But for Jimbo Fisher, if if A and M loses that game, I'm telling you, their fan base is going to be like, if not now, when? I mean, they're in a good position right now, early in the season. To have a win that could catapult them to Atlanta in the SEC championship game where they've never gone. And if they lose the game, they're behind Alabama by a game in the standings, but really two games because you'd lose the tiebreaker. And you have to live with the fact that Texas was able to come in here and beat Alabama at Bryant-Denny. And you know Texas is coming into the league. So if, if A&M loses this game, I'm telling you what, their fan base is going to be really, really down on Jimbo Fisher. Let's hope they are for our sake, Gary. Like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm, t- I'm as nervous about this game as any game on the schedule this season. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about it too because I think that what it represents is a chance for Alabama to have a special season. Uh, it really, really does. If, if Alabama wins this game, I don't see any reason in the world that this team can't wind back up in Atlanta playing for an SEC championship and a spot in the college football playoff. So it's a, it's a huge game. It is. You know, I don't make, again, I don't want to make it into more than it is, but if Alabama loses this game, that's already two losses. That's a loss in the SEC. Cause here's the thing, Joe, I think Alabama is going to be really good in November. I think they're right. going to get much better the month of October and they're going to be really good, but you have to make November matter and you could be really good in November, but if you've already got three losses, you know, does it really matter, you know, if you're not going to go to Atlanta? So the key is to get to November, be playing great, but have the record that you need to catapult to, to where you want to go. And this game is critical for that. It's a, it's a huge football game. I would agree with you completely. Cause I mean, in my, I mean, you can, you can see, in my opinion, a big difference now just between where we were against Texas and where we were in this last game against Mississippi State. We've already improved significantly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, a win, a win Saturday will make a lot of people eat crow, including me. Because if Alabama wins Saturday, all these people that have been predicting doom and gloom since before the season, and you know a lot of them that I'm talking about, and Alabama's lost and Saban can't coach and uh, they're going to be terrible. They're still, they'll still be hoping, believe me, that they lose to Tennessee and LSU and Auburn. But if they go out to A&M and win, they're going to have to reevaluate what they said about this Alabama program. So there's a lot of the naysayers and the haters that are keeping their fingers crossed that Alabama loses this game so they can say, Hey, we told you so. Because if Bama wins, everybody's going to have to acknowledge that Alabama is the favorite to win the SEC West. Man, I sure hope they I hope they do, Gary. I appreciate you taking my call. You bet, Joe. Good phone call. Always a pleasure to hear from you. All right, we've got Tom and we've got another caller coming in. Tom, hold tight. I'm gonna go ahead and hit this first break and then we'll come back with you. And I see we got another call coming in as well. So we'll take some more phone calls on the other side of the break. Huge football game. I, I said I would didn't want to make it bigger than it is, but Maybe I already have. I think I've laid out some reasons why this is a huge SEC football game for both Alabama and Texas A&M. We'll be back with more of the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, your home for University of Alabama sports. 
take a moment and think of one. Free has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen televisions so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm today, the high at 85. Fair tonight, below 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. Friday, occasionally cloudy, the chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 70 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 919, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show for this Wednesday, October 4, 2023. The NASCAR report, Matt Coulter coming up at the bottom of the hour. And yes, I am going to jump into this uh, at some point today. <clears throat> I'm going to jump into this NIL ruling in the state of Georgia. Um, Georgia now has approved and, and really a, a, a vote that wasn't even close. The Georgia High School Athletic Association passed a bylaw by a 66 to 9 vote to allow NIL deals for high school athletes becoming at least the 30th state to approve such a ruling. Florida is expected to be next. Louisiana is already doing it. So Alabama's in the crosshairs because Alabama is going to fight to hang on to its amateur rules, but it's, it's, it's going to be impossible. I, I, I wish this was not here. I've said it for the record. I wish it wasn't in college. I'm a, I'm old school, but it's going to be archaic to think that you can hold on to these old amateur rules because what's going to happen very simply is that you're going to have kids in the state of Alabama. They're going to leave the state to go play in Georgia or Louisiana. I think Texas will eventually adopt this rule. And, um, you know, we're going to have what is in Basically, I've been saying this for a while, open enrollment. As soon as it hit college, nobody wanted to talk about it, but it was only a matter of time before it hit high school. So, yeah, you're going to have high school students playing football and basketball, making more money than the teachers and the superintendents and the principals. That's where we're headed. All right, I'll get into more of that later on. Let's jump out on the First of Main Condos hotline and talk to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Gary, how are you this morning? Hey, doing well. Uh, great call early this morning. I liked it. Enjoyed it, Joe. Thanks for calling. Uh, Gary, you're not fooling me, though. I, I'm, I'm going to get down to brass tacks. All right. I've, I've accoladed all I intend to accolade. I'm going to tell you like it is. This is how the cow eats the cabbage. 
you just like me, I watched the motorcycle bowl last Saturday in, in Dallas. <laughs> and and you know good and well that A and M was lucky to win that ball game. They got some of the luckiest breaks known to football in the motorcycle bowl. And you know it. And Gary, you ain't fooling me. I see your little reverse psychology going on. <laughs> you got everybody else fooled, but oh, Dad over here now, I know. And uh, and you're not fooling me with that. Do so you think I would purposely pick a team to win, even if I don't think they're going to win? We are <laughs> desperate to get to Atlanta this year. Yes, I think you would. You would desperately seek the gods of reverse psychology <laughs> to help Alabama. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I got to go. I'll see you. <laughs> right, oh, man. Tom's a mess. All right. Uh, phone lines are open on the first of main counties hotline, 205-342-9904. And I do hope I'm wrong. I, I said that at the top. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to get back onto this uh, high school NIL because we have a little time. Again, just because I believe something doesn't mean that it's right. I'm wrong. We're all wrong from time to time. And I do try to keep that in mind that just because I believe it doesn't mean that it, that I'm correct. Uh, most of the people I meet though, when they believe something, they come from the standpoint of, I know I'm correct. That's why I believe it. Well, I don't know that I'm correct. I might be wrong, but I do believe that high school NIL is a bad thing. Um, I do believe that college NIL the way it's set up is a bad thing. I'm sorry. It's not it's not it's not doing what all of these advocates said it would do. Okay? It's just not. And I think most of them knew down deep when they were advocating for it that it was going to be what it's become. This is listen, this is just paying players. That's all it is for the most part. Are there legitimate advertising partnerships with players yes there are a few i mean bryce young had a lot of you know if you win a heisman trophy like caleb williams and bryce young and you're still in college nissan is a that is a legitimate nil deal you are benefiting from your name image and likeness having won a heisman trophy and being a member of the heisman house and it's pretty cool i will say that but for the most part, these players that are making money are just being given money. And there's really no partnership. Even some of these quote unquote, um, partnerships on the internet are shams. I mean, the, a guy gets, a guy or a girl gets money. How often do you actually see them promoting the product, promoting a product? Very rarely. I don't see a ton of advertising with student athletes, but I hear about a lot of them making money. So it is what it is. But if you try to mention changing the rules to make it more about actual name, image, and likeness instead of just a slush fund for recruiting or if you come to this school, uh, this person's going to give you $100,000 a year and you can say that you represent their company, but really you're not, you're not helping their company. You're getting paid to play at that school. And now it's going down to the high school level. And... Steve Savarese, former executive director of the Alabama High School Athletic Association, who I have a lot of respect for, know him pretty well. Uh, maybe I can get him on the show. He had some interesting quotes 
uh, appearing on a, um, a radio show yesterday, and I'm trying to find the radio show that he was on. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm reading the quotes from an article by Ben Thomas at AL.com <clears throat> because Savarese was on a um, a radio show yesterday. I'm trying to find out the radio show that he was on, but this is coming from um, AL.com. Former Alabama High School Athletic Association Executive Director Steve Savarese said Georgia's ruling is significant. It will completely do away with the amateur rule. There's no way to govern or regulate it. We study history to predict what will happen in the future. What What's happened with NIL in college, it's out of control. When high school athletes start making more than the principal and the superintendent, you've got a real problem. I agree with him. Alabama's amateur rule currently states, in part, an amateur is one who does not use <clears throat> his or her knowledge of athletics or athletic skill for gain. Talking about financial gain. Alabama, Texas, and Mississippi are among the states that still have not passed an NIL motion for high schools. Savarese hopes that doesn't change anytime soon. He said the bylaw Georgia passed is similar, a similar template to the one passed by many other states at this point. And here's what is a great truth. And this is why at some point he's going to be wrong because Alabama is going to have to get in line. Savarese was on Fox Sports The Game and Opelika was the radio show he was on. But here's a quote that I want you to listen to. The sad part of what happened is you have athletes in Alabama who are considering going to Georgia, Louisiana, will consider going to Florida so they can maximize their potential as an NIL athlete. Well, they can't wear their, their uniform. They can't act in accordance with the school. So who will pay these people? If Nike wants to take a basketball player that's in the 10th grade and wants to say, no, we are not paying you because you are in, uni- are in uniform or because of your performance, but we want to pay you a million dollars in the 10th grade, that child would be able to receive money based on this. NIL in high school will completely change the dynamics of everything. I don't think we are doing something for the best of our students. It's probably it probably one day will happen in Alabama and Texas, but I hope they hold off as long as they can. Problem is they can't hold off too much longer because you'll start losing athletes to other states, and it will impact your high school athletics, and it will impact University of Alabama and Auburn University because it's a lot easier to recruit a player in your state who's a top player than it is if that player goes to another state. Yes, I know Alabama recruits nationwide, but still your base is your home state. And if your top high school players start leaving to go into other states, it's going to be harder to recruit them. I'm not a fan of this. I don't like it, but it's coming, folks. It's coming. And you're going to have just what Steve Savary said. You're going to have high school athletes making more money than the teachers, the principals, and the superintendents. That's going to be, it may not be a fact yet, but it's going to become a fact, in my opinion. It is going to happen. And I think it's a shame. 928, let's go to the break. And when we come back, we'll talk NASCAR with Matt Coulter next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Built to win. Ball game, Alabama wins. Built for championship. Heading for the pylon. Get the race. Win the race. Touchdown, Alabama. 
built by Bama. The Crimson Tide plays here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide pick on Texas A&M at Kyle Field. Our coverage begins at 11.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Finding Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's Good Food, Good Friends, and Good Time. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Paris. Where the season never ends. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Few burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the finish. All right, 931, 29 minutes in front of the hour of 10 o'clock. It's time to talk NASCAR with Matt Coulter from Big News Sports, the uh, Matt and Lars podcast, and, of course, the voice of the Talladega Super Speedway. And what a week it was for Matt last week. We had him on on Wednesday to preview the race. Of course, once again, um, my guy wasn't even close, <laughs> which I'm getting used to. But it was a heck of a race, a heck of a weekend. We'll get into what happened on Saturday as well with the truck race. But uh, we're going to start out with recapping the Yellowwood 500. Good morning, Matt. Hey, how's everybody? Doing well, doing well. What a weekend. Uh, everything from the weather yeah. to intense racing. Uh, a great race on Sunday. And then controversy after the race with Kevin Harvick. Would have been even more controversial had he won, which he easily could have. But uh, before oh, we talk specifically about the end and Blaney and Harvick, and let's just talk about the the race itself. I, I thought, and I was now I'm gonna lie to you. I was watching Sunday NFL. I recorded the race and then was able to go back through it and fast forward through the commercials and all those type of things. But got the got the gist of it. It was a very entertaining Yellowwood 500. There's no question about it. Many lead changes action all over the track and one of the closest finishes in the history of NASCAR particularly at Talladega I think uh you know it's hard to kind of gauge uh milliseconds but it was a it measured out to be about four inches and when you go on 190 miles an hour that's just not a whole lot I was hoping so much that Kevin Harvick would win this thing Me in too. the final season but he did but you know we really shouldn't be supplied surprised that a 54 won. Yeah, but and, and now I'm glad that Harvick didn't win it, though, because if he won it, it would have been even more painful, uh, the DQ that he received, which we'll get to in a moment, because I understand rules are rules, but gosh, it seems petty. But let's get to Blaney. Uh, uh, hang on, Matt. I know you want to jump in on that, but let's let's get to the Blaney, because on the track, 
he um, and you and I have said this. The only thing that surprises me about Ryan Blaney is how he doesn't win more. I mean, he's got the talent, he's got the organization, he's got the race car, uh, he's young, he's dynamic, and he's good, but he hasn't taken that step to become great. A championship certainly would do that, and the Yellowwood 500 might be the first step towards that. He's now one of the, he's now one of the favorites, and that move he made on the restart, I mean, that was, that's as good as it gets. I mean, Matt, everything he did from the timing, to the execution of the move, to holding everybody off, to beating uh, Harvick to the stripe, it was it was next level. It was superstar type racing by Ryan Blaney. It was Earnhardt Senior, Earnhardt Junior. It really was. His lousy like it was. Uh, he and he described it. I don't know if you've seen the interviews, the post race interviews from Victory Lane, but he described exactly what he did in such wonderful detail. Everything around him he was totally aware of. It was almost like he was able to slow down the moment 190 miles an hour. And at that moment, also realizing this is the third time he's going to Talladega, I realized this guy has Talladega figured out to a point where very, very few do now and very, very few ever have. Uh, I mean, he was talking about where Byron was, where Harvick was, where he was on the track in the middle. And it was it was quite an impressive move and quite an impressive win for Ryan Blaney. And, Matt, do you think I'm being too uh, – getting the cart in front of the horse here? And, and, and is this uh, – am I hyping him too much? I, I think this could be the step – the first step in, in him assuming that superstar status. Obviously, if he wins a championship, he'll be a superstar. Oh, yeah. But, but this, not in just in terms of, of, of winning this race and advancing on, but like I said, the way he did it and who he beat, because we didn't know at the time that, that, uh, Kevin Harvick was going to be disqualified. But when he pulled that move, Harvick's one of the, one of the better ones to ever do it. And, uh, he just flat out, he just flat out beat Kevin Harvick. Not by much now, but but he did well, beat him. But he, there were a lot of there were a lot of drivers that could have won, a lot of drivers that could have won it. But in the end, after the restart, who had the best skill set to take the checkered flag? If you'd asked me that as they took it on the restart, I might not have said Blaney. Right but now, and every race moving forward, I'm gonna say the twelve car. All right, let's get to the four. Uh, I was pulling for him. You were pulling for him. I think most race fans were pulling for him. Uh, his final season, um, to get this win at Talladega would have been, it, I, you know, where he's at, about to hang it up, probably would have been one of the biggest wins of his career in terms of how he felt about it. And it didn't happen. But then after the race, uh, the four was disqualified. What happened? Well, the fasteners that hold the windshield in place for obvious safety reasons were very loose. The team, and they just disqualified. I mean, you can see the obvious danger in having a windshield fly off front of your car. At first, the four teams were disqualified. They were going to protest and appeal, but upon further review, they did not. And that tells me a lot. Yeah. That tells me that they had to do it. And I think given circumstances, you know, given these circumstances, that this is the four's last ride. They probably would have given him a little leeway. But Gary, it must have been so bad 
that they had to do something. And if the safety issue is that large, you've got to follow the rules. And that's exactly what they did. And, and I hate it. I hate it for Harvick. I mean, he goes from second in one of the closest races ever, the Yellowwood 500 history, to 38. I mean, that's just devastating. It stinks. It stinks for Kevin Harvick because I'm sure Kevin Harvick had no idea. This was this was a crew uh chief crew crew deal right i mean this is not something Harvick would have been in on no and it wouldn't it didn't give him any advantage that's what i'm saying to having a loose windshield but uh the crew said that they had checked the fasters and they had uh used epoxy and some other you know type of solvent or glue or adhesive and uh they had checked it but for some reason it came loose I would like to know, and I texted you this yesterday. I would like to know if there were any other windshields that were loose, and I'm, they need to look into that to find out if it was just a four-car problem or if there are other cars the problem. Well, I'm sure that's what the, the, the I'm sure that's what the four. I'm sure that's what Stuart Haas is telling them. Hey, man, look at some of these cars that finished fifteenth, eighteenth. See what was going on with them, because yeah. you know we got we got you know monitored because we finished second obviously and Blaney's car was looked at too but um yeah I, I'm disappointed again I know rules are rules but as you said they didn't get an advantage um but you know it it, it is it is what it is um all right, where do we catch us up Matt on on where we stand now obviously Blaney's on with a victory uh to the next round uh where are we at right now in the points race coming out of uh, the Elwood 500 uh-huh. Gee, I think I've got four, you've got two, or I've got three, you've got two. I don't know. We'll immediately get the message here. Yeah, Jeff will send us send the message. But I do know that I picked this week, week, and we're going to the Roval. And yeah, don't get me don't get me started on the Roval. I mean, again, here's another here's another classic racetrack like Indianapolis. Charlotte's a great racetrack, and we're going to turn it into one of these hybrids. I, I just. Matt, I don't get it. I don't either. And I'm a, you know me, I'm 100% NASCAR. I work for them. So it's probably not my best interest to be terribly critical. But, uh, man, if you're going to set up a 10 race playoff, race on the track. And if you're going to do a road course, then do it on a real road course. Don't make one up in Charlotte. Anyway. We both have made our opinions known on that particular subject. Yeah. So, but yeah, listen, it, it is it is the next race, and it's big yeah. now for so for William Byron and and Ryan Blaney. Obviously, they still want to run well. They want to win, but they are into the the round of eight guaranteed. Does that change your strategy as a race car driver? These are both young guns. They want to win, but at the same time, you don't want to wreck a car. Uh, do you drive differently when you know you've already advanced into the next round? I asked Austin Cindric. I was very uh, fortunate to have interviewed him and several other drivers. If there's a difference if you're in or out. And he said, yes. Okay. If you're out and you pull up on one of those guys that has the colored spoiler, you probably take a little bit more caution. Now, if you're in and the guy doesn't, you're probably going to be a little bit quicker to match the accelerator. Mm -hmm. So it does make a difference if you're in the playoffs. So that being said, if you're 9, 10, 11, or 12, you're going to be as aggressive as you possibly can be. And that may factor into my pick this week. 
But the Roval, uh, they've only been doing this for what a couple, three years. Mm-hmm. So for you, for you and I, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on it, especially when you throw the playoffs in. So are you throwing it to me? Am I supposed to make my pick here? Well, you're. I go first according to Jeff. Oh, okay. That's what he, I got it wrong. Yeah, I'm just saying he's got he's got me because you know he sends that in in depth race recap and he says Gary picks first October fourth. So I I get to go I get to go first. Before we do that though, I want to ask you what happened on on Saturday after the truck race because we have we have pushing and shoving, but this was a pure fled you know pure Donnybrook. We had blood. We had one guy threatening to kill another guy. Uh, you know what in the world happened there? You're talking about crashing Sanchez? Yeah. Well, Sanchez just flat out bumped and wrecked Crafton. And Crafton has won that truck series several times. And he's the old guy. He's the veteran. He's 47 years old. And uh, he just flat out didn't like it. And he sucker punched him. And as a result, man, there was there was a, a brawl. You said a Donnybrook. Great word. I love that word. <laughs> But, uh, anyway, they have both been penalized and, uh, particularly Crafton because he was the instigator. You know, if you want to square off against somebody, Gary, and I'm not a fighter. I never have been. I don't know that you ever have been, but square off in front of somebody. Don't catch them on the side of the head. Yeah. Now I heard where the, um, Crafton said he did not sucker punch him. He, he came back out and had a spirited defense in his for himself in regards to what had been reported. So, you know, always two sides, I guess, but I did, sure uh, I said just, I did see the young guy bleeding and threatening to kill him. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, well, that's, that's the heat of the battle. Oh, I know, but, but still it's, wow. you know, <clears throat> it's, oh, um, it, it was, it was noteworthy. By the way, it was a hell of a truck race. It was. We had good races all weekend. I had great weather. And I still haven't got got an estimate on the crowd, but Saturday crowd was really good. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Sunday it was packed out to me. And the infield, all the uh, slots, the RV slots were full and sold. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy that played Saturday night, but Hardy brought down the house. I've wow. never seen the field as crazy as that. Oh, well, wow. You know, it was an A-plus weekend. For me personally, and certainly for Talladega and NASCAR. One more Not question. Not so much for Kevin. One more question before we get to uh, get to the um, Roval race, the Bank of America Roval 400, because they're good buddies. Blaney has taken a step to become a superstar this year, and of course, Chase Elliott already is. But what a miserable season for Chase Elliott! I can't even really. Uh-huh. I can't even really find a comparison other than maybe um you know a, a baseball team like the Marlins if you, you go all in you go all in to win a World Series and then then immediately after the World Series you just you just tear your team apart you just you, it was a one year deal you you and then you start unloading salaries or in professional sports you have a team that um you know wins a championship and looks like it's set up for a run and then the next year they you know they barely make the playoffs or something, or don't make the playoffs. I mean, it, this is just inexplicable in a NASCAR sense. No one could have ever predicted what has happened to Chase Elliott this year. Not at all. And you throw in all the other factors, of, you know, his popularity, NASCAR, Napa, uh, his father. I mean, he he was the, 
he's NASCAR's 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 guy. And that snowboard incident, not to try and be funny here, from there it's been all downhill and uh, or uphill, depending on the way you want to look at it. But I don't know if it changed him mentally or not. You hate to speculate about stuff like that. But do you lose your edge when you severely break your foot? Uh, I don't know. But then he came back, and then he got uh, suspended for a week for roughhousing. So uh, it's going to be one. It it may be leading into 24, the lead story on how he's going to rebound. Well, you know what? Under normal circumstances, Matt, I would think Chase Elliott would be a favorite this this week at the Roval. <laughs> but well, you know, he's the only guy that's won there twice. I know that's so, what I'm saying. I mean, so it'd almost sure. be a no brainer with me picking first to pick Chase Elliott. But these aren't. That's kind of why I wanted to ask you that because I'm. These are not normal circumstances, but I'm still considering picking a guy. I, I just can't believe that he's going to go through the entire year without posting a victory. Well, this past weekend at Talladega. That was his prime opportunity because he runs so well there. This is his second prime, if there is such a statement. So, I don't know. You go ahead and pick him. Well, I'm, I'm thinking he's, he's like you said, he, he he's set up to win it. He's got the history. I think William Byron is another guy that I like, but he's that's why I ask. I'm trying to set my pick. I'm getting inside information for you. That's why I ask about if you're already in the round of eight, do you drive the same way? Um you know, I think you got to watch Tyler Reddick, uh, Larson. Yep. Um, but I got to pick one and I do, and I think Blaney will drive hard at the same time. I think Blaney probably feels pretty good and accomplished. Uh, he might just not want to wreck a car here. All right. I'm going to shock everybody because I listen. I, I'm struggling. I had got off to a really good start with my picks and now I'm struggling and I'm, kind of when you're behind you start making odd picks i mean that's look at my last pick at talladega but i'm gonna take chase elliott matt i mean i i just you know he's got the equipment <laughs> you know he's, oh, yeah. you know he hasn't lost the ability to drive a car and as you said it's not a not a great body of work at the roval but he's been the dominant driver at the the roval so i'm taking chase i'm taking and I'm, not just the roval uh, he he was he's the odds-on pick every time they go to anything with more than four turns. Yeah, so and it's 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 a good pick. Uh, would you have picked I'm him? Going, would you have picked him if I hadn't picked him? Yes or no? No. Okay. No. Um, I I thought about Tyler Reddick long and hard, but uh, this is not a hail mary because that would sound weird. But I'm gonna go with Kyle Busch. He is outside looking in. He's well. Wow. Uh, he's got to throw everything at you. He's a very good road course racer, and he needs it. He has to have it, or he's out. Yeah. And I think when you put Kyle Busch in circumstances like that, uh, he's going to shove some cheap metal out of the way in order to win. Okay. Well, I'll probably I'll probably get that text. I, I'll probably get that text from Jeff Jeff Payton about thirty laps in that says. Sorry, Gary. You know, <laughs> Elliot in the wall or something. I mean, I just have it. I always dread that text. You know, I'll go out on a limb and try to be cool with my pick, and then he'll usually text me, your bad luck continues. So, <laughs> You know, uh, you had Ross Chastain. I had Brad Keselowski. And Brad was just, Brad had a good car. 
I thought he could win it. And then he got caught up in an accident with none of his doing. When they interviewed him afterwards, he was just so calm and collected. I said to myself, I said, Brad, you need to be like Nick Saban. It's time to get mad. It's time to go back to the old school guy. And maybe you'll win one. But uh, anyway, just th- I just want to thank all the people that helped me in Talladega, particularly the fans. They're the best in all sports. I had a great weekend. Uh, I hope you did, too, because you were able to watch the NFL and watch the race. And I got home safely and uh, had a wonderful weekend. Spent a lot of it. My son worked with me. And, oh, good. Uh, that's just a pleasure, and that's just that warms my heart. Yeah, and I went to Starkville Saturday afternoon, and really I've always enjoyed going over there. I hate that that uh, – with the new schedule and the Texas and Oklahoma coming in will not be an annual game anymore, but, um, I'll miss, I'll miss those annual trips over or biannual trips over to, uh, to Starkville, Mississippi. You miss that halftime ice cream now. Let's get down to it. Well, let me tell you how much I enjoy that ice cream real quickly before we wrap up the segment. I might have said this last week, Justin, but I'm an intermittent faster, Matt. I only eat in an eight hour window, sometimes less than that. So I don't eat breakfast. It's my first meal every day is around noon. Um, but, in this case, because I knew halftime wouldn't fall until like 9.30 or 9.45, I ate my first meal at 2.40 in the afternoon because I wanted to make sure that I was in my window so I could eat that ice cream at halftime. That's how good it is. What what flavor was it? Well, I always just get the vanilla. I mean, I mean they've got the that that muscadine berry and they've got it, but I'm... Yeah, that's what I was looking at. You know, whatever it is. I just like, I in chocolate, I just like good old-fashioned, that vanilla. I mean, I tell people all the time that it's it's as good ice cream as I've ever had. And, of course, you know, people get, people would order their cheese. If you're going to order cheese for Christmas gifts or Thanksgiving, you better order it about six months out because there's a waiting list. So you actually changed your entire diet and intake. For well, I just day. changed my, my time window. So I wanted to make sure I was still in my, because okay. if I had eaten at noon, I'd have been outside my eight hour window and I wasn't going to let that happen. I mean, I was going to make sure that I wow. was inside my window so I could eat that ice cream at halftime. You're doggone right. Man, you've got discipline. <laughs> How about that? All right, what's All coming right, up on uh, Big Noon Sports podcast, today? Podcast, we just taped it. Yep. Uh, it's on Twister.fm. And this afternoon, actually, we're going to have Russell Brown on. We're going to do a recap. Oh, awesome. Track. Mike Novak will be with us. So all is good. I know we've run over. Gary, thanks. Thanks, Matt. All right, 9.52, we're going to come back and wrap up this first hour and get you ready for hour number two. Paul Patterson's in studio, and uh, we've also got the Ben Football Recruiting Report with Joseph Hastings coming up at 10.30. So one hour down, another big hour on the way right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM. Stay with us. Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Wednesday edition of The Game, we will continue a Dreamland score prediction day. We'll take your scores, Alabama, Texas A&M. We'll talk to Josh from CFB Nerds, collegefootballnerds.com. He'll give us an analytic preview of Alabama, Texas A&M, all starting at 2 o'clock on The Game on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm today, the high at 85. Fair tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. Friday, occasionally cloudy, the chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Six winding it down for uh, the first hour. I want to talk to you about a new client, though. We had uh, we had Jack Houston on uh, earlier this week from Houston Hydrosteam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning. He's joining the Gary Harris Show, and it, the motto is "Quality work you can stand on." And you know this, folks. If you've been in business for thirty nine years, you're locally owned and operated. I really don't have to say anything else. You, you don't make it thirty nine years locally owned and operated unless you do it right. And Jackie Houston and his folks do it right. Carpet and upholstery cleaning, Oriental rug cleaning, residential commercial water damage, deodorizing, fabric protection, tile and grout cleaning, which is important if you've got one of those old school showers. Uh, it's almost impossible to do it yourself. And they have emergency service available. Uh, Houston Hydra Steam, find out what they can do for you. Is your carpet clean enough that you don't mind your child just laying down on it with a pillow and going to sleep? If it's not, call Houston Hydra Steam or find out more at HoustonHydrasteam.com. Call them at 205-553-9460. I'm going to be getting them into my condo soon to do some work for me. You should as well. That's Houston Hydra Steam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a way to better way of banking. As we said, coming up in hour number two, Paul Patterson in studio today from Patterson Comer for one of his visits with us. And instead of talking about uh, legal issues, and certainly if you have a phone call and want to ask Paul a question, we will take it on the First Amendment Condos hotline. But our topic today, he's going to tell you about war stories of a trial lawyer. Paul will share with us some of his all-time courtroom victories and stories. You want to stay tuned for that coming up in hour number two. The Gary Harris Show will roll on right here on Tide 100.9 FM, your home for Alabama sports. Already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 117. Again, that's 117. The code is 117. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. 
A decision from a special master on which of the three potential Alabama congressional district maps will be used in the next election is expected at any time. Whichever one is selected will have little impact on congressional representation from West Alabama. LDOT is in the early stages of planning some improvements at the intersection of 43 and 82 in Northport. 59,000 vehicles a day use that busy intersection. And a nationwide test of the Federal Emergency Alert System will be broadcast at 1.20 this afternoon on cell phones, radio, and TV. Latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Alabama sports updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show. Presented by Diet Pepsi on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go, everybody. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Gary Harris, my man Justin Jones in there. He took care of some breakfast during the first hour, so his energy (laughs) level's high. And in studio, you know, uh, Paul Patterson uh, and uh, Mike Comer, Patterson Comer Law Firm, they bring you the second hour of the Gary Harris Show. And every couple of weeks or so, we'll have Paul in to uh, have a legal topic, and we've had a great response to it. But today, we're going to change it up just a little bit. Now, again, if you've got a legal question, do not hesitate to call. 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904. Paul will take your call, but we're going to um, share some stories, uh, or Paul is, some more stories from, and you can imagine as a trial lawyer, and again, he and Mike Comer, two of the best in the business. That's why, as I said before, I do relationship advertising. I don't have somebody on the program that I don't believe in and use. So uh, Paul's my lawyer, and um, I believe in him, and uh, we'll go ahead and run the disclaimer, though, because we're required to by law. Go ahead, Justin. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And now we can get to it. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning, Gary. Good to All be right. with you. Stories of a trial lawyer. And you've picked out in how many, you've been practicing, what, 25 years 25 now? years. So 25. I can only imagine, but we're going to have to imagine. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to tell us some of your best. You know, it is a little different topic, but over the years, you know, trial lawyers are, are storytellers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that uh, it's a craft that we continue to try to improve on each time that we communicate to a jury. But when you look back and I reflect on the 25 years that God's given me to represent people who have been victims of accidents or lost their lives in accidents at no fault of their own, I uh, feel really blessed. But some of them really step, you know, stand out. And, and I just wanted to share with the listeners some of the some. And I, of course, can't use the names, but just. Some of the war stories of the past, and the first one I want to start with is involving a, a an elderly gentleman here in our community who I came to love. He's just a wonderful person, he and his wife, and he was a victim of a bad medical device, uh, and he really suffered uh, tremendously. But as we were litigating his case, uh, the defense in the case, they have a right to submit to the plaintiff's attorneys what's called interrogatories, and that's just a fancy term for questions that your client has to answer. And of course, we sit down with our clients, we go through this, we help explain any of the questions to them, and we're always looking for truthfulness. You never want to uh, tell your lawyer a lie. No. And as we're going through these questions, one question that is always asked 
uh, uh, to our client is, have you ever been arrested? Now, as we're going through this, my client's an elderly man. He's sitting there with little suspenders on. And, of course, I naturally think he's never been arrested. Right. And I ask him, sir, have you ever been arrested? And he stared at me, and he said, yes. And, of course, I'm thinking it's some type of misdemeanor. And he said, no, I was arrested for murder. Ouch. And Gary about fell out of my chair. But here's the story. When our client was a young man in his teenage years, he and his brother uh, had an on-and-off relationship. His brother was a bad drinker. Mm-hmm. They were in a pool hall one night, now teenagers. And the brother came in the pool hall. He was drunk. And then he started wanting to fight my client, who at that time was his little brother. Right. As he starts wanting to fight him, my, my client, of course, said, look, I don't want this tonight. Stop. You've been beating up on me. Please don't do this. It was an older, stronger brother. Well, my client decides to leave. Now, again, he's he's a teenager. He goes out into the parking lot. The older brother, clearly drunk, follows him. Mm-hmm. They get out there, and the brother hits him across the face with a closed mm-hmm. fist, knocks him down, mm-hmm. bloodies his nose. My client gets up and goes into his pocket, and he pulls out just your standard pocket knife. And he said, leave me alone. I don't want this. I'm going to cut you if you don't stop. The brother charges at him. When he does, the knife gets jammed into the brother's chest and severs the brother's aorta. And the brother dies before he goes to the, before he can reach the hospital. Hmm. My client was sitting in jail and he said their elderly mother came to the jail and she looked at him and said, son, there's nothing I can do to help you. I love you. I can't afford to get you out. She was a single mom. Wow. Had this family. This is awful, Paul. And he looked at her and he said, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he said he watched as his little mother left that jailhouse and he was behind bars. And he got on his knees and he prayed. And he said, Lord, there's not much of me left. But tonight I'll give you what's left if you want it. I'll never forget those words. And that That's man, he turned his life over to the Lord He's been a pastor, a strong member of the community forever. I love him dearly. Uh, he's given this testimony publicly probably thousands of times. Mm. But I will never forget how when you assume someone may not have had any problems in their life. Uh, oh, you never know. And you never know. No. And, and here's how the story finishes. He goes to trial. The judge, the trial judge shows him mercy. He lets him out of jail after a year, and he says, I want you to go and don't get any more trouble. And this man never got in any more trouble the rest of his life. He raised a family. He worked a career. Mm-hmm. He was a lay preacher. The same judge that showed him the grace, Gary, was dying just a few years ago in the nursing home. This judge called for my client by name and asked him to come pray over him. Wow. And, and of course, my client did. He went, he prayed with the, the judge who had sentenced him I didn't earlier, know, but listen, let him out. I, I, I thought you were going to tell us some <laughs> funny stories. I didn't know you were going to get us yeah, emotional yeah. here. Well, this is great. And, and I will tell you this, as we were take, as the defense was taking my client's deposition, mm-hmm. the court reporter broke down. We had to stop because she was in tears. And it's the first time in 25 years I've ever had a court reporter wow. have to stop because of the emotions of it. But, just an incredible story. Uh, the the uh, 
I still talk with the clients today. They're wonderful people, but you just never know, you know. Oh, yeah, that's a good story. Not to get off topic, but that, like I said that, yeah, you're right. That's a good story for life because you look at somebody, we all make observations and evaluations based on how we see someone, what they're doing, but you never know what they've dealt with in their life. You just you never don't. know. And, and there's always hope for tomorrow. I tell people, even at my judge job, mm-hmm. if, I want people to get on their feet. Of course, it's a misdemeanor court, but if people will get help, uh, I usually will assist them mm-hmm. if they learn from their lessons. But um, we got a couple more. I don't know if we need to take a break, but that, no, that's, that's we're, the first we're, story that uh, we're 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 good. Uh, uh, keep keep it, keep the, it. Give us one now because that was pretty emotional. It's a great story. Give us one, maybe a little. Uh, uh, it has uh, a little humor uh, in it. Maybe. Well, this one's got uh, a little bit of humor. Okay, let me tell you about this one. We represented a family here. Their daughter was forced off the road by an 18-wheeler, no doubt about it. This young lady goes off into a ravine, and she goes into a creek that is really deep, and she drowns. It was just a terrible, terrible accident. The clients come to me, and I look at the case, and we had one problem with it, Gary. We we could not initially prove the set of facts. We had witnesses that saw her saw this 18-wheeler, but they did not see what transpired, the actual accident. We worked this case. We continue to investigate it. The clients come in. You have a two-year statute of limitation uh, for negligence cases in Alabama or wrongful death cases. And as I'm sitting there, we... uh, The clients are frustrated. I'm frustrated because I, I tell them, look, if I file this case... My fear is the defense com- the defense lawyers will come in and file a motion for summary judgment saying we can't prove it because we cannot prove it with sufficient evidence. The law requires you have to prove it by substantial evidence. It used to be just a scintilla of evidence. That changed. So when you go to court, you got to be able to prove your yeah. case. Long story short, it was about a month or two away from the statute of limitations expiring. I'm struggling with this case. It's always in the back of, the, of your mind. I, I claim and I believe this lawyers are paid to worry about people's problems. That's true. And one evening around 10 o'clock at night, my client gets a knock on the door. She goes to the door and it's a, a man standing there. She does not know him. He identifies himself and he says, ma'am, I need to tell you what happened to your daughter. This is a true story. He goes on to to tell her that the employee with the company did run her off the road, that he had admitted it. He was there when the truck returned. This man had quit the company. Now, a lot of people would say, well, he was disgruntled. He quit because of this, because he kept going and saying, we've got to tell this family what happened. Naturally, we were able to file the lawsuit. We were able to get justice for this dear family, even though it never replaces their dear dear one they lost but it was a sense of justice in a case that i thought was doomed that i was not going to be able to prove all because an employee told the truth and a former employee at that point but that man had the conviction to come to my client's well, house that, that, that's strong and that's that's another one of these stories makes you believe in in and he couldn't he didn't want to live with the guilt that's exactly right and that's and he testified to that and, and not only did he come and tell he was willing to get on the stand wow we actually tried that case after four days uh insurance adjusters out of new york were here in tuscaloosa mm-hmm. they were observing the trial 
and one of them approached me and he had a value of the case and I had a value and he went with my value and we settled the case. Wow. Uh, again, well, that's proof. Now that that's also a great story, not just for you and Mike, but for trial lawyers. Period. Because I know sometimes, you know, we hear negative terms about trial lawyers, sure. you know, ambulance chase stuff. But that's why, and that's what I've learned doing these segments with you is that case right there shows you. Now, listen, they have a job to do too. But that company, those insurance adjusters, sure, they were going to beat that family out of. That right. they could have right this knowing dude, knowing full well probably what happened, but that didn't matter. That's right. And well, had this guy not come forward, so that's what you're dealing with sometimes. Yes, when you're going up against these big insurance companies and these big big companies, trucking companies, they don't care about your loss. They no. care about their bottom line. Bottom line, and, and a lot of families are seeking the closure that we all mm-hmm. would seek if you lose a loved one. And part of that is holding those responsible that caused the death of, the, of your loved one mm-hmm. and seeing that justice is done. You know, I tell people, uh, when I first started in law school 28 years ago, I thought I wanted to do defense work, insurance defense work. And then I started, you know, looking at what people go through. Mm-hmm. Like my mom and dad, people that need a voice in court, mm-hmm. being able to fight the powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I committed... To doing that 25 years ago, and I've never looked back, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it and enjoy representing people in our community and throughout West Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Mike and I continue it, and we'll continue on and, and fighting for I got a story. For I got a question for you, though, and then we'll okay. get to another story. Okay. Because I know it's contingency. You don't take any money unless you, you win for the client, and that's your business. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken on a client – and you don't have to obviously to give specifics, but sure. and then found out they were lying to you, and had to drop that client. And does that ever happen? That has happened. Okay, that 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 has happened before. And when you talk about risk, I do like to say this: just like in this case that we were having trouble proving, you're right. No one pays us unless we are able to recover from mm-hmm. the family. We probably had four to five thousand dollars invested in that case, and we were having trouble proving. Mm-hmm. Now let's say the employee had never shown up, and we couldn't have pursued the case, that family would not owe us a penny. That's right. You, and and you that's the beauty of the system. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You it's, just have to eat it. The risk is on the attorney. Um, but I have, back to your question, I have had uh, the situation where people would mislead me about their actual injury. Mm-hmm. Now, once someone comes in and they've been injured, we have to get their medical records, mm-hmm. so we get to see what their medical professionals are saying and diagnosing uh, the individual with. And there's been times that their testimony uh, to me or their statements to me in my office did not accurately reflect mm-hmm. what was going on in the medical records. Uh, I've had that. I haven't had anyone in 25 years just fabricate how the accident happened Uh that normally we can sniff that out if we mm-hmm. if we even think it's mm-hmm. you know a possibility. Mm-hmm. Credibility is everything. Trial judges charge juries on that it's their job to determine the credibility of witnesses. There's a jury charge on that. So the judge says I can't judge the cred- credibility of any witnesses. The uh, the court reporter can't. The attorneys can't. It's just up to the jury, which gives them the power to disregard any testimony they want to disregard. Or accept testimony they want to accept. So, um, 
But anyway, I don't know if we're at a break. No, I got you, I got um, you one final. One. I want you. I want you to give us. I want you to give us one more story. Uh, I wanted to give you know our, our listeners just uh, you know a little break. Yeah. Just to yeah, this is more stories are always really good. That's and, what makes this and, uh, segment good. Is is you're a you're a talented lawyer, but you're talented on the radio. Oh well, I don't you know have, about you that. Have some, some radio, that. You have some radio skills. <laughs> All right, one final story. All right. Uh, and I roundtabled this with my office staff before we left. I told them what we were going to do, mm-hmm. and I had my ideas, and I said, look, at some of our hallmark cases that, that really stand out to us. We had a case uh, that happened in West Alabama probably over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And a young man and his son were hit head-on by a coal truck, and the father lost his life. Really, really sad story because the father, before he passed at the scene, was able to speak with his son. Uh, and they exchanged, I love you's. And then mm-hmm. the father passed. We got into that case and the coal truck company, we learned that they were not maintaining their coal truck properly. And again, when, when you're doing business on the roads and you're using 18 wheelers or, or, you know, vehicle, commercial vehicles, you have a duty to maintain them. And there are trucking regulations that are really strict that mm-hmm. you have to document what you've done on the truck mm-hmm. and you stay in compliance with all the federal motor regulation uh, requirements. We get into this case, we file suit, and again, we enter what's called the discovery phase. And that's what I mentioned earlier. You have interrogatories where, you know, that's just a fancy term for written questions that you submit to each other. And then we also can do what's called request for production. Now, that's a fancy term for we can send a list of documents or things that we want from the other side. We sent that to this company, and we said, we want all of your maintenance records on this particular truck for the past five years within a reasonable frame time or or there, and they objected to it. So they didn't have any. And the ones they did have were... uh, just for the past year or so, but very small, which was very odd to us. And again, we file motions. They represent to the court. That's all we have. Right. And we're suspicious. But again, the only way we can get those records is from the other side. As we proceed with the case, just something told me something's not right. And But I, there's no way for, for me to prove the lack of maintenance on this truck because the truck had already been sure. destroyed and gone at that time. Um. I'm sitting at my desk on Hargrove Road one morning, around 9 o'clock, my phone rings. And it's an individual saying, hey, there's smoke billowing out of that coal uh, company, their business lot. Y'all might want to look into that. So we take her, we call, I call my investigator and I said, hey, just drive by, don't trespass, drive by and see what you uh, can find out what's going on. They go over, my investigator does, he goes over. He does not trespass. He has a zoom lens, and there are big barrels on fire, just like, you know, the barrels that are, you know, people burn things in. And here's the kicker. There, we had photographs of men dressed like I am today, Gary. I have a tie on Mm a shirt. They have boxes of documents that they are burning and throwing into these barrels. We get photographs of that. And the judge allowed us to introduce that into evidence. And that came off of a tip. That came off of a tip. And it's just amazing. And that changed the whole direction of the case. uh, The whole direction. And, of course, we argued, why did it take someone dressed in a suit and tie to come down from the corporate office to burn these things on a lot? 
And I think, you know, yeah. reasonable minds would conclude getting rid of yeah, it. There's some fraud going yeah. on. Um, and again, they maintained it was just old records. It wasn't any of the records associated with our case. But, you know, again, the credibility is weighed by the jury. Oh, yeah. Earlier. And once you get shirt and ties and burning of records, then the credibility for that budge is out the That's window. That's a true story. And, you that, win, and, of course, you win the case. True story. So you settle the case in on, on your terms. And it did. That, that We were able to seek justice. You know, that father had passed away. Yeah. His son is, has gone on and uh, done just wonderful things. Successful young man. Very proud of him. Uh, again, I don't disclose any names for confidentiality. Yeah, but yeah. these are the facts. And uh, these are people in our community that uh, I've been blessed to represent. Mike's been blessed to represent over the past 25 years of practicing law. And uh, that's just a, a small snippet right. of the life of a trial lawyer. And some more stories. Well, Paul, we uh, appreciate you coming in and sharing those with us. And uh, again, uh, Justin, get ready. But if folks, if you're in need of um, personal injury attorney, Patterson Comer, again, I vouch for them, not just as lawyers, but as individuals, as, as people. And listening to Paul on the radio segments, you get a feel for the, you know, it's not something that he's just doing strictly for um, financial reasons. He cares about uh, this community and about these people. And if you want a law firm that will see you all the way through it, I said this, Paul, when I've been doing your commercial sometimes live, we have a recorded commercial too, but I'll say, you know, I got nothing against those 1-800 firms. They do a lot of good, good work. Sure. There, there's probably sure. people that see that who never even think about a lawyer, but the reality is you call them, you're probably never going to even talk to the lawyer that represents you or certainly not meet them in person. And they're probably, it's a business. They're going to look to settle maybe quicker than they should. They might not see it all the way through. Feet on the ground in West Alabama, your approach is different. Yeah, if you if you call my office, you're going to talk to me. I'm going to call you back. I'm going to work your case. Uh, Mike and I try out all of our cases together. And uh, so you, you are going to deal with us. We live in the community. We go to church in the community. Our kids go to school here. So we feel like we have that touch we you know we're not going to disappear from you when the case is over uh we want to continue to have that relationship where i have people that call me and ask questions and gary i'm not a bankruptcy lawyer i'm not a, a domestic lawyer but my clients know they can call us mm -hmm. i'm not going to send them a bill for a phone call all right. at all i'm going to give them the I best can advice to that yeah. you work with me on a couple things <laughs> well i'm going to give hopefully give them the best advice and send them to lawyers in that particular field that mm -hmm. I know will do a good job in representing. In fact, one of the things you work with me on, you might have been more of a counselor than a lawyer. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just part of the job. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. No, I appreciate you, Gary. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, we'll be back with more of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Stay with us. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are... Dentistry has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm today, the high at 85. Fair tonight, below 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. Friday, occasionally cloudy, the chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1026, we appreciate Paul Patterson coming in. Man, that was a really neat segment. And I know this is sports talk, but as I say, too, it's sports and more. You know, we do some pop culture, but uh, the legal segment that we do with Paul every couple of weeks um, is is had great it's been a great reception to it, and today those stories were really, really neat. Hey, Justin sent me something a little bit earlier and um, from Tom Van Heeren at ESPN. NCAA shrinks window for athletes to enter transfer portal. I think this is good. Uh, the NCAA Division I Council approved changes to the transfer portal windows that will shrink the number of days for student-athletes to enter their name in the portal. The rule change will impact all sports and give players 45 total days throughout the year to enter their names into the transfer portal. Each sport will have 45 total days, but it will be divided differently by sport. For example, before this rule change, the window for football would open the day after the college football playoff teams are announced, which was December 4th in 2022, and would stay open for 45 days. The next period would open April 15th to April 30th, which will remain the same with the new changes under the new rule there will be a 30-day window after the season and 15 days in the spring uh i'm a i'm a proponent of this and i think that um this thing has to be shrunk down to some degree in a little way it seems because now justin it seems like i know this isn't the case but it just seems like anybody can get in the portal about any time they want and this is going to have a little more uh clarity also the ncaa is moving toward um trying to implement new NIL rules which is I'm I'm also a huge proponent of that in a step toward putting rules in place to regulate the way college football or college athletes not just football players can be compensated for their fame the NCAA Division 1 Council introduced Tuesday of this week yesterday several proposals to bring transparency to the transactions and oversight of those who want to work with students the proposals come from nil working group recommendations and don't become final until the meeting concludes today but the proposals could be adopted as soon as january at the ncaa convention they include creation of voluntary registry for nil service providers such as agents and financial advisors requirements for disclosure of nil deals worth more than six hundred dollars by athletes to their schools development of standardized nil contracts and education programs for both high school prospects and college athletes badly needed and again because something that keeps getting lost in this is taxes I'm telling you, there's there's some of these young people, athletes that are taking money, and I'm pretty confident some of them aren't claiming this money. And at some point in time, the IRS will sniff this out, and there's going to be chaos in regards to that because they're going to want their money, and a lot of these young athletes aren't going to have that money to pay back the government. So getting some type of handle on this is badly needed both portal wise and nil wise and now we're going to have to start not in alabama yet but in other states you know doing the same thing for high school athletes because that's coming too all right it's 10 30 we'll get to the break we'll come out with the bama football recruiting report next right here on the gary Harris show hi i'm 
stop. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1032, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Been a busy show this morning. We're going to keep it going right now on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline with Joseph Hastings, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network, and he's uh, here with us to break down the latest, and there's a lot going on in Bama football recruiting. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Pleasure to have you. Let's jump right in and... Um, Big weekend visit at uh, Auburn this past weekend for the Tigers as they hosted the Georgia Bulldogs and several Alabama commits and targets visited Auburn. Any news there that you can pass along that might negatively impact Alabama? I don't think there's any news negatively impacting uh, Alabama in this respect. I mean, you have to understand Alabama wasn't playing at home right. uh, during this past weekend. It, you know, had they played at Brian Denny Stadium and some of those commits opted to go to Auburn instead of going to Alabama, then you probably would read into it a little bit more. But Alabama was on the road. They were in Starkville. Um, you know, they also Caleb Odom, one of the visitors there, Alabama commit, only lived about an hour away from Auburn. I, that was his favorite school growing up, so he just wanted to check it out. Auburn didn't even make it in his top five before he committed. Uh, and then Ryan Williams, obviously, he's an Auburn legacy. It's a big game. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more to it. He also went with a few of his Saraland high school teammates, uh, including K.J. Lacey, uh, Texas quarterback commit. So, you know, obviously the combination of Alabama not playing at home this past weekend, Auburn going up against the number one team in the country, and, you know, some of those recruits being fairly close to Auburn, you know, wanting to enjoy that game day atmosphere, it, it definitely uh, lines up that way to where you'll have a few Alabama commits and targets on campus for that game. But um, nothing newsworthy, uh, you know, going back to your question, nothing newsworthy as it pertains to them and their commitments to Alabama and where they stand with the Crimson Tide. Caleb Odom uh, from Carrollton High School seems to be making the rounds after visiting uh, Auburn. I understand he's expected to take a unofficial to – Ole Miss this weekend and might go back to Ole Miss on November 3rd for an official. How big a player are the Rebels in this, uh, and are they a possibility to flip him from Alabama? You know, Ole Miss is definitely a school that you have to look at in terms of them being, being in the top five, you know, him planning to take that official visit next month, um, you know, taking that unofficial this weekend, as you mentioned. You know, obviously, once again, Alabama – um, is not playing at home this weekend. That's that's important to mention. So he, it's not like he's choosing to go there instead of visiting his future school. He, he already visited Bama twice last month for the Texas and Ole Miss games. Has plans to return um, later this month. Um, you know for the Arkansas and Tennessee games as well. I would highly encourage everyone to go to Bama online and read my feature with Caleb, uh, where we talked about his recruitment, kind of where things stand with with Bama. But you know, just kind of the gist of it is that he feels really comfortable at Alabama has kept on growing his relationship with tight ends coach Joe Cox. And, you know, just once again, just feels really comfortable there and likes what they've been able to do with tight ends, especially Amari Niblack, 
um, this year. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I definitely think when you look at Ole Miss, you know, and, you know, some of the things that they're selling to him in terms of, you know, potentially being able to get some time in that wide receiver, um, you know, and, and him taking the visit there this upcoming weekend, that's something to look, look at. But he's very firm in his commitment to Alabama, uh, has made that very clear. And, um, you know, he, he plans on visiting twice this month, visited twice last month. Uh, he's considered a solid commit. One of Alabama's top targets is four-star edge rusher Solomon Williams out of Tampa, Florida. And so is he a top target for a lot of schools, including Texas A&M and Texas, as well as Oregon. And I understand he is planning on visiting A&M this weekend for the Alabama game and is expected to announce a decision later this month. What's the latest on Solomon Williams? Yeah, it's interesting with Solomon because he's been kind of non-committal on the commitment timeline. He's talked about at one point he mentioned September as a decision time frame that he wanted um, to, to go toward, and then he mentioned October 16th, his mother's birthday. Then you know you started to hear him kind of backtrack a little bit and say he he's not really firm on a commitment date. So it kind of remains to be seen: will he actually commit this month? Will he decide to uh, take it out until December, have that early signing period announcement ceremony? that we've been so accustomed to. Um, I, I think that would be interesting to see how it plays out. And, you know, how much does he value these particular games that he's watching? You know, Texas played uh, Alabama and, and beat Alabama. You know, if Alabama beats Texas A&M this upcoming weekend, you know, how much does he factor that into his overall decision? Because, you know, those are uh, presumably the top three schools in his recruitment right now, and them Texas and Alabama. So, um, you know, does he factor in? The success that these schools have had this season. Is he taking a look at depth chart? You know, how, how many guys were signed at each, at, at the edge position in previous cycles? Uh, the history with the edge position in previous cycles. I think all that's being taken into consideration for him. And it's just going to be a matter of where he feels the most comfortable at. You know, uh, I think the expectation is that he will visit Alabama this month, but that still remains to be seen. Um, but the one, one thing I'm really interested in seeing is if he actually stays true to that October commitment timeline or if he opts to push this back and wait until after uh, his junior season, his senior season wraps up. Joseph Hastings from On3 Sports with us for the Bama Football Recruiting Report. I want to ask you about another edge, and this one is from out of the country, Quebec, Canada, and if I say this name wrrong, you can correct me. Steve Mbomoa, uh, a edge rusher that Alabama's involved with. Uh, what's the update there? Yeah, so we just call him Steve uh, on the BAM Online Roundtable, which you all can check out at BAMOnline.com. Um, you know, he's just known as Steve. Um, you know, uh, it, it, and look, it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out, too, just because of how how hard it is to get to make these visits. It's not like, you know, he's, he's living in the southeast, um, so to speak, and, you know, can take these trips whenever he wants to. It, it is a little bit of a trek for him. So, um, you know, the, the frequency of the visits, where he opts to take his visits to will – uh, will be something we pay attention to, but he he's expecting to take his official visit to Alabama this month for the Tennessee game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll likely take some visits elsewhere. Uh, Alabama is in a good spot here um, in terms of being one of his top contenders. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll be deciding anytime soon. Uh, Andrew Bone provided an update on, on Bama Online regarding his recruitment, but, um, you know, this one could play out a little bit longer uh, than a recruitment like Solomon Williams who expects to um, who could potentially commit this month. So we'll, we'll see with Steve, but obviously he's a priority target for Alabama. They want to get another defensive lineman in this class. He was previously a class of 2025 prospect. That's 
um, if we can cast our mind back a few months ago, he was the 2025 prospect, reclassified up to 2024. Alabama's already got Jeremiah Beeman and Isaiah Fonga in this class, two in-state prospects, uh, two defensive linemen committed to Bama. Um, and, you know, obviously they would love to add Steve as well and, and get another edge rusher um, or, or, two, uh, or two in this class. So, um, yeah, Steve's Steve recruitment is one we're paying attention to. He really likes what he's seen from Alabama, uh, has been on, went on campus this past uh, summer, uh, liked what he saw. So uh, we'll just see how this official visit plays out the weekend of the, Texas, uh, the Tennessee game. Joseph Hastings from On3 Sports Bama Online talking uh, Bama football recruiting with us. Uh, the curious case of Daniel Hill, the running back out of Meridian, Mississippi, it seems to me, uh, Joseph, and maybe it's just I'm wrong, but it seems like he was already supposed to committed to somebody about three times. And uh, yet he's still uncommitted. Obviously, Alabama is still heavily involved, as is Tennessee, as is, you know, other as are other schools. Um can you give us an update on him and when he finally might pull the trigger? Yeah, I, honestly, I've been in contact with Daniel Hill and his camp for, for a long time, uh, for well over a year. And, you know, this one doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon, but it could potentially do so. I mean, just that, that's how this recruitment has gone. You know, it could be he decides he wakes up on Saturday or Sunday and says, this is where I want to commit to. And, and that's the end of his recruitment. Cause I believe once he does commit, he will be done with the recruiting process. I, I, I wouldn't expect to flip after that. I think that's why there was a pushback of that previous August 23rd commitment date because he wanted to make sure that once he once he settled in on the school that he's going to be committing to, there is no backtracking, there is no decommitting, there is no flipping. So um, I think that's one of the encouraging signs of it is that you know you you want to make sure in this recruiting process once you give your word to somebody that you stick through with the process and Daniel Hill. His father went through uh, went through the process back in the 1980s. He ended up at Mississippi State, but um, you know I, I think there's been some encouragement there from that side, just to make sure you know that he takes this this process very seriously um, and, and doesn't spurn any relationships, so to speak. So you know this could happen at any moment. It could happen at any time. It could once again go out into the early signing period, um, and, and there be a decision made then. But uh, Alabama, like you mentioned, is one of the top schools in the recruitment. Has been that way for a long time. Uh, South Carolina is very much up there now. The South Carolina season so far, you know, being two and uh, having three losses, um, you know, does that impact his consideration of the program at all? Kind of remains to be seen. He recently took an official visit to Tennessee this past weekend, so um, you know the Volunteers are in the mix there too. But um, you know, th- this this one's always, you know, this one ha- has been an interesting one for a long time, just because a lot of people expected him to already be in Alabama's class. Um, you know, and then South Carolina has some momentum. Could Bama be regaining it? It, it remains to be seen. And I think the decision timeline, when he ultimately decides to uh, commit or announce the future commitment date, um, that, that'll be pretty telling in my opinion. Joseph, uh, you mentioned Jeremiah Beeman earlier. Uh, the Parker High School defensive lineman committed to Alabama, visited um, Auburn over the weekend, and he seems to be – He's committed to Alabama, but he seems to be still entertaining other schools. Is there reason for Bama fans to be concerned about Jeremiah Beeman staying in this class? Because we know what a high-priority defensive lineman are, particularly when you have really good in-state defensive linemen, and Bama likes to, to get those guys um, to the capstone. Yes, and I might sound like a broken record here, but I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned it before with Caleb Downs taking that visit to Ohio State and Georgia last cycle, and then also Justin Haynes getting on Georgia's campus. And, 
you know, saw visits elsewhere, including Tony Mitchell, um, you know, with some of the visits that he took later on in his recruiting process, all ended up at Alabama. So, uh, you know, I think it's important to put that context out there, too, because, you know, yes, you know, Alabama commitments are going to be visiting other schools. And then at the same time, Alabama is also getting prospects committed elsewhere on their campus um, as well. You know, saw multiple Auburn commits last month and, um, you know, some Georgia commits as well step foot on campus. So, you know, that that's just the, the game of recruiting. You know, the no papers have been signed yet. No letter of intent have been signed. So you're, you're going to keep pushing for prospects committed elsewhere. And at the same time, other schools are going to do the same with recruits that are committed to your program. But, uh, you know, Beeman based on all the conversations we've had and, you know, just all indications, you know, seems very locked in with this Alabama commitment. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets out to Auburn again for the Iron Bowl, but that, that makes that makes sense just because, um, you know, a lot of recruits will, will be attending that game, not, you know, no matter where they're committed, um, you know, if they're considering both schools, um, you know, it's going to be a, a massive game just in terms of how many prospects get on campus, whether it's at Alabama or at Auburn, this year it's at Auburn, so... You know, wouldn't read too much into that, um, but, you know, we would expect him to be at that one. So, uh, you know, just once again, as we've mentioned with Caleb Odom, as we mentioned with Jeremiah Beeman, as we mentioned with other prospects in the past, you know, this is just kind of the game of recruiting. Uh, Visits elsewhere will be taken, but, um, you know, all indications have been that they're locked in with the Crimson Tide. Joseph, let me ask you about Jalen Mbakwe, um, Clay Chalkful, what he's doing and, and, you know, we know defensive linemen are in demand, athletes are in demand, guys that project on both sides of the ball. And with what Travis Hunter is doing at Colorado, I, I really expect that we're going to see more schools, maybe not on a full-time basis, but more schools have guys that can play both ways. Mbakwe, uh, what he did against Thompson High School, the number one program in the state, Class 7A, and we know Clay Chalkville is a very good Class 6A, but still... They beat Thompson. He had five touchdowns. He had a huge breakup, pass breakup on defense. Dynamic athlete. Clearly Alabama's thrilled that he's going to be in this class. But uh, give us some insight in regards to Mbakwe at the next level. Do you think he's a guy that I know initially was projected at, as a defensive player in the secondary? But could he be a guy that we might see um, potentially on both sides of the ball? I mean, he's absolutely somebody who's going to make an impact in all three phases of the, of the game. You talk about kickoff returns, punt returns, um, you know, playing on offense in some capacity and obviously playing cornerback, which is, you know, what he was recruited at. And at the same time, though, you know, what, what has been one of the main selling points about Alabama? What has been something that we continue to talk about with the Crimson Tide and just in terms of projecting players from Alabama to the next level? And that's been how they can save their guys, you know, save their bodies, not put them through too much punishment at the college level. So when they get to the NFL, they're fresh. You know, when you see guys like a Derrick Henry being able to play so many years at a, at a high level, uh, at, at a position that, you know, we, we take a lot of beating at the running back position. But Derrick Henry was able to kind of preserve his body in college and, and be able to make it to the NFL and continue to be one of the top backs, uh, even at, you know, his advanced age for a running back. So, um, you know, that's something that you always talk about with Alabama is how they're able to preserve their guys. And when they get to the NFL, they're able to have extensive careers because of that and how their body hasn't been put through the ringer when they're in Tuscaloosa. So uh, Jalen's more than capable of doing so. He definitely has the talent for it. We saw that against Thompson High School. Um, we saw seeing what he's done this year, um, you know, at the quarterback position, you know, playing a completely different position. Um, and, and not really getting any snaps on defense until that Thompson game. But, uh, you know, the expectation and his expectations that he will play quarterback at Alabama, I, I would expect for him to make an impact in special teams in some capacity. I mean, he's just 
he is too dynamic to keep off the field in terms of not having the ball in his hand, being able to get the ball in his hand at some, you know, some way or another. Um, and I, I don't know if that would be on offense. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But in special teams, he can definitely make an impact. And uh, that's where I would see him, um, you know, doing his most damage with the ball in his hands. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited about him as a recruit. He's a top-ranked athlete on, on three for a reason. I think he, he'll have an opportunity to push for that top-10 spot just based on that on the senior season he's put together. But he's a very, very exciting prospect. Yeah, he really is. I, I just love the fact that they just cut out the middleman, just snapping the ball. <laughs> let him let him go because he is dynamic. Um, Joseph, 20 commits in this class for 2024 for Alabama. And we've talked about it. Now you have to take into account the portal, um, you know, maybe leaving some spots open, players arri- arriving, players leaving. How many players do you expect Alabama to sign from the high school slash JUCO ranks for this 2024 class? Ultimately, how, how many players do you think will be in this class? Oh, yes, yeah, so we, we get this question a lot throughout the recruiting cycle, um, every single class, just because, you know, you, you know, fans anticipate, oh, are, are they going to reach 26, 27? You know, could they get to 29, 30 for any given recruiting cycle will be as low as 22. You know, what I will say is that it's fluid. You know, Alabama's going to be able to address the positions that they need to address them, and, and we'll go from there depending on how certain recruitments play out. Um, you know, and, and what their priorities are for each specific position. So they, you know, the the expectation there isn't an expectation that Bama will reach, let's say, 24 commits. So you know, they're going to ask four more commits, and you know, if, if they lose another one, then they're going to replace them with another, replace that prospect with another one. It's a fluid situation. They weren't set on a specific number um, in, in the last cycle. I believe they got to 28 total. Um, you know, between the JUCO and, and high school ranks. So you know that. That would be my response to that one. And, 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 and honestly, it's the case. It's just, you know, that there isn't a set number that they're hoping to hit. You know, there are some guys that they definitely would want in this class and that they would take their commitments no matter what. But, um, you know, that there isn't a, a set number. It's a very, very fluid situation right now. Um, and, and honestly, it could be a situation where it goes into January, February when you talk about the, um, the, the second signing day or the traditional national signing day in early February. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's a case where it remains to be seen. Awesome update as always, Joseph. We really appreciate it, and I know our listeners do as well. But there's much more information that you have available on social and, of course, on YouTube and uh, BamaOnline.com. Kind of fill us in. Yes, definitely. BamaOnline.com and BOL Roundtable. We, we have many discussions on there. Uh, right now, I'm actually in a thread talking about the, the new Ahsoka series and other movies and TV shows going on right now. You can bounce between that and also talking about, um, you know, just Keon Keeley uh, highlight reels and uh, basketball contact. Our, our Hoops off-season thread has reached uh, 4, 000, over 4,000 replies. It's uh, It's been incredible, and we're always dropping nuggets and tidbits from the football and, and, and basketball side of things. So I would highly encourage you all to go to BamaOnline.com, take advantage of our special promo, $1 for a month, and sign up. And, uh, yes, it's going to be a, a, a great month in terms of um, getting in, getting excited for basketball coming up and then also uh, being in the heart uh, in the middle of the football season. So I uh, would definitely love to see you all on the BOL Roundtable. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Joseph. Absolutely. Thank you, Gary. All right, folks. I'm telling you what, too. Uh, uh, that update was outstanding in Alabama, really, with a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail. Hey, also, uh, something that's outstanding is our Bama 
football trivia that we play every Friday, and we give away incredible gifts. Going to give away another one on Friday from T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Can't wait for that. And, uh, man, we're giving away stuff that's next level now. We're talking about hand-signed footballs and prints and all kinds of good stuff. Stay tuned for another one on Friday, courtesy of T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. All right, we'll be back to wrap up uh, this edition. It's been a jam-packed edition of the Gary Harris Show. One more segment. We do have time to squeeze in a phone call briefly. If you want to give us a ring, 205-342-9904 on the First and Main Condos Hotline. We'll be back after this. Catch Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up tomorrow on the Miller's Edge, it's time to rush around the SEC. We'll take a look at all the upcoming games in the SEC. Plus, continue to break down the Tide versus the Aggies. That's tomorrow on the Miller's Edge. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Yeah. I was diagnosed. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and warm today, the high at 85. Fair tonight, below 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 84. Friday, occasionally cloudy, the chance of some scattered light rain during the day. Friday's high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Need to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1055, a couple of minutes to go here on the Gary Harris Show. Uh, but we're going to wrap it up and get you ready for the Miller's Edge coming up at 11 a.m. with... Corey and Kristen Miller, then uh, noon until 2, it's Big Noon Sports. Ryan Fowler will take you home this afternoon with the game from 2 until 6, and we crank you back up uh, early in the morning, 6 a.m. with Martin Houston, Wimp and Barry, 7 and 9, inside the locker room. And, of course, I'll be back tomorrow morning for the Thursday edition of the Gary Harris Show, 9 until 11, including, of course, Ellis Johnson, the coach with us every Thursday to break down SEC football, so we'll preview the big weekend coming up with Coach tomorrow morning at um, – 9.30. Also, the Falcons report with D. Orlando Ledbetter coming up tomorrow. The Falcons, after winning their first two, have dropped their last two. Justin, no surprise here, but we're, you know, hardly into the season, and we've already got only two undefeated teams, the 49ers and the Eagles, who played in the NFC Championship game last year. No unbeaten teams in the AFC. 
I think we were. I don't. Are you surprised though? I think everybody knew the 49ers and the Eagles were. No, I'm not surprised at all. And I think I think they very well could meet in the NFC Championship game game again. And and of course, Cowboys could have something to say that about that. And you know, Dolphins the, the were surprise, the, the surprise though. This last Sunday was the Dolphins. Well, what happened was listen. Dolphins are a really good team and explosive offense, but the Bills made a statement. You know, the Bills were like, hey, the AFC East still runs through Buffalo. And I think what everybody got off uh, kilter on the uh, Bills was, you know, they lost to the Jets. You know, without, uh, without Aaron Rodgers. But the Bills, yeah, they, they made a statement. They didn't just beat the Dolphins. They beat them down pretty good. And, um, but that's the NFL for you, man. You're riding high one week, you get humbled the next. You know, Cowboys got humbled out at Arizona and then came back and just blitzed the Patriots. And I'm telling you, the heat's on Mac Jones. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's one thing to play quarterback in the National Football League. It's another thing to play quarterback in New England with Bill Belichick, those Boston fans, and the home of Tom Brady. So, Max, he's under the he's under the gun a little bit here. So, hopefully he'll get uh, he'll get going. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the show. And, of course, Bryce Young struggling a little bit, too, with the, with the Panthers as a rookie. Uh, but Tua and Jalen doing great. All right, that's going to do it for the show. We'll be uh, back tomorrow morning, as I said, at 9 a.m. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. And also, before I get out of here, I want to mention to you my friends at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, Jeff Knox and his folks, man. Uh, it's a great place to work out, great community of people, great facility, everything you need, personal training, fitness classes to reach your personal goals in the terms of uh, fitness and health and even nutrition. You can find them at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. All right, uh, have a great day. For Justin, I'm Gary. I'll talk to you in the morning again at 9 a.m. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.